I remember as a Baptist, I went out with a group of Baptist men, you know, to a, you know, a little church, and I don't even know what you called it, but we went out for, a, I think it was a Friday night and a Saturday, and we were going to come home Saturday night so we could be at church on Sunday. But we went out, you know, as a group of deacons, and it was just kind of a, I don't know what you call it, but anyway, just a group of men, you know, talking about the Lord and everything. And I had listened to different speakers, you know, speak, and some of them speak five minutes, some of them 15 minutes, you know, but nothing very long. And uh, so, you know, I didn't know how this program was set together. I was just there. And so I'm going up the stairs to the second floor with the other guys. He said, we've got another class now at the top of the stairs in this certain room, 201 or whatever it was. And so as we're going up the stairs, I'm thinking, I wonder who is this speaker is going to be. And the guy walks up to me on the way up and he says, hands me a note and says, speak on this subject. It's your time when we get to the top. <laughs> I said, you got to be kidding. He says, no, I'm not kidding. It's your time. And this is what you're to speak on. Boy, you talk about dying. We're there at the top of the stairs. I thought, Lord. You wouldn't do me like this. But he did. He did. He put me to the death. He said, I'm training you for a little something I'm going to do later down the line. And, of course, as I told them, I told those that were here Sunday, I studied and studied and studied and studied trying to get ready for GLC. You know, when we went out there last Tuesday evening, Wednesday morning, I had to be in the set, and we had to make 15 30-minute finished television shows in two days. And on the way out, Cheryl says, well, what what the Lord give you to speak on? I said, I don't know. She said, you mean we're going out, we're here, and you don't know what you're going to teach on? I said, that's right, I don't know. So the next morning we get up and start to the studio, and she says, well, I said, I still don't know. And so we get in the studio, and the guys are getting everything together, and I put on my outfit, my, you know, one of my jackets and shirts and ties and all that stuff, walk up there, put the mic on, and the guy says, uh, well, what's the title of this first series? I looked up and I said, Lord, it's, it's, it's serious now, Lord. <laughs> I said, what am I supposed to do? And he told me. He immediately told me. I said, okay. I give him the title. I said, this is it. And so, ten, and that was 20 minutes till 10. And at 4 o'clock that afternoon, nonstop, we finished 10 30-minute shows and changed suits between every one of them and didn't have a glitch or a problem, not one time. That's what God can do. You know, all you got to do is trust Him. He sure will put your feet to the fire. He'll put your feet to the fire. He will test you. He'll find out, you know, but you can't do it. But if you just let Him do it, hey, and, and you just, I mean, right down to the wire. I said, Lord, I'm not the least bit concerned. You told me not even to think about what I'm going to speak. I said, you said you give me the words, but Lord, I have been reading and studying and listening to your word for the last three or four weeks, night and day, trying to get ready for this. And virtually nothing that I've studied that I teach you. Nothing. You know, so, isn't that amazing? How the king can do this kind of thing. Well, praise the Lord. Tonight we're going to continue some more in this book of Ephesians. I've got a couple of different Bibles up here, the uh, King James and the New Living Translation. And uh, it's kind of awesome what's in there. So we're gonna we're gonna get started here tonight, and we're gonna study some more in chapter one, and we'll see how far we get. 
But Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we praise you and thank you that you are the King of kings, the Lord of lords, and God of gods. And Lord, we are grateful that you're our King, that we know you, and Lord, that you live in us, and we, we are grateful that somebody prayed these prayers of spiritual authority for us so we will be able to have this revelation and wisdom and knowledge and understanding. And Father, I got a feeling that it was your own son Jesus is sitting at the right hand of your throne in heaven that interceded for me because nobody that I've ever lived with in my family ever had this kind of knowledge. So I don't think they could have prayed these prayers for me to give me this knowledge. So I think, Jesus, you did it yourself. Only you knew these things. So I didn't know them. My mom and dad didn't know them. And so I think you did this for me, and I'm grateful. I'm grateful, Lord, for your prayers. For I know you intercede for us, and I'm grateful that you spoke, probably spoke through somebody's mouth on this earth, you as we were interceding, and who knows who was doing it, and who knows in what language you were speaking, but Lord, you do it through us, and you intercede through us for others. And I'm so grateful that you do that, because only you really know how to pray for all of us. Lord, and I'm grateful and I'm so thankful that you've given me the knowledge and the wisdom and the revelation and understanding you have. And may I take it and use it for your glory. Because, Lord, I'm just a piece of dust. But, Lord, I'm grateful that I'm one of your pieces of dust. And that, Lord, I'm attached to you. And I'm grateful for this piece of dust that you've given me. I'm grateful for this wonderful, healthy, physical body. I'm so grateful that you've given me this body and that it is healthy, it's been healthy, and you've kept it that way. And, Lord, that I'm still healthy and still able to do anything I want to do. And, Lord, I, want, I am so grateful that you're such a great and mighty God and, and that you so bless us in everything we do. And I thank you and praise you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Now then, the Lord <coughs> he inspired me to do something right there. I mean, I thought I was going to go to Ephesians, and we are in just a minute. But he just laid something on my heart while I was praying. Uh, that I want us to go back, and just one more time, I want us to go back to Psalms 103, and just to, just hit that slightly uh, before we get to the book of Ephesians. Amazing how that came to my heart so clear while I was praying that we need to just go over His Word. And when He tells us to do something, we just do it. Psalms 103, the first thing we're supposed to do, as I was praising Him there in my prayer, He says, Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. So that's what we're supposed to be doing. All of us, this is our goal. This is what... That's, this is what it's all about. This is what we're here for, is to bless the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is not about you and me. This is not about us. It's about Him and His glory. And all things were made by Him and for Him and for His glory. And we are grateful, Lord, that we can bless Your name and get to be a part of the things that You do on this earth. We are so grateful that we are called to be children of God. And then verse 2 again, he says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits. 
Now, we got to realize that he did give us the best benefit package that's ever been written. There's never been any company that you ever worked for, I don't care how big or how powerful, there's never been a company that can give you a benefit package like this one. You know, this benefit package is out of this world, isn't it, Keith? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I guarantee it. He forgives all of our iniquities or sins. How many? All you got to do is ask, isn't it? Now, what if you don't ask? Now, you don't forgive them. Once you get saved, when you sin after you get saved, if you don't ask, you're carrying that thing with you forever. So, don't do that. You know, if you sin, immediately repent, and the king will forgive all of your iniquities. And then he says, and then the second thing, he heals how many of our diseases? All. There was... uh, a man told me something the other day. He said he had a good friend that was a Baptist preacher and said he was sick. And he said, I went over to him and said, you know, brother, I need to pray for your healing. And he said, now, you know, you've got to believe God will heal you. He said, well, you know, I know God can, you know, and if it's his will, I know he will. But said, I don't know what his will is. He said, brother, you're my Baptist brother. And, and you know, I've known you for a long time. And I believe you believe God's Word, don't you? He said, of course I do. He said, well, he said, since God says we have to do things in faith, he said, I'd like for you to turn, open your Bible to Psalms 103, and I want you to read this. And so he turned over and he says, bless this, uh, bless, you know, be the, bless my soul and all that stuff. And he said, and he said, who forgives all your iniquities? He said, stop right there. He looked up and he said, do you believe God forgives us every time we sin? If we ask forgiveness, he forgives He said, well, of course he does. I mean, any good to have this preacher believe that, don't we, John? I mean, that's normal. I mean, you could ask me that all my life and I knew that. That's the first thing the Baptist preacher taught me. Come and confess my sin and he'll forgive me. Praise God. But he said, okay, now then read the rest of that verse. And he said, well, and he heals all of my... He heals all of my diseases. He said, well, right there. He said, he healed all of them. So what's left out? So he said, what do you think now? He said, well, I guess he heals all of my diseases. He said, he promised, didn't he? Yeah. Okay, so he said, now can you have faith to believe the king to heal you? He said, yes. And so as I reached up and touched him, and said, be healed. And God healed him right there instantly. Isn't that amazing? Amen. You know, the king, he watches over his word to perform his word, doesn't he? Yes, he does. I'm telling you. You know, and of course, uh, we haven't made those CDs or DVDs, rather, I told you we were going to, about those uh, three smooth stones, those three Muslims, and their supernatural experience. But we will get that done this week, and I hope to have those here Sunday so you can view those. Man, that's awesome to think about how Muslim, you know, how, how three of them on the set at the same time at GLC. And the story was being broadcast over the entire Mideast, you know, all over the Muslim world. Three Muslims sitting there telling their story about how they had a supernatural, how they called on Allah and nothing happened. And then how some guy walks up and said, don't worry, brother, I'm going to take care of you. I'm a Christian. And he said, we've been taught as terrorist Christians and Jews have one thing in mind, and that's to kill us. And so our, our goal is to kill them before they kill us. 
And he said, then here this guy, he's a Christian, he takes care of me, a Christian doctor takes care of me, I don't have no insurance, don't have no money, and he takes care of me, and he takes me to his own home and finishes me up at home and gets me as far as he could go. And uh, I believe that's when he said, uh, he, when I got to where I could get out of his home, I thought, you know, he, he cried out to Allah for the finished healing of his arm and his leg. And he said, nothing, nothing happened. And he said, all of a sudden I hear, I'm crying out to Allah, saying, Allah, I've been a faithful servant of yours. I've killed 200 people for you. You need to do something for me. And he said, I hear this voice. Why don't you ask the God of Abraham to do something for you? He said, I thought they were the same God. So he said, I, on my knees, my hands raised. I said, okay, the God of Abraham, help me, please. I need help. And he said, instantly Jesus Christ appeared right before me and healed me instantly. And he said, let me tell you, I ain't a Muslim no more. He said, I'm a Christian. <laughs> when the king shows up and does something like this, he changed even a Muslim, can't he? I mean, God is so awesome. And what he has to do to get our attention. Isn't that amazing? But just think, the Lord says, and he heals all of our diseases. So whenever we have a problem, you know, we first of all repent of every sin. Tell the Lord, Lord, if I've sinned somewhere, I repent. And Lord, if there's something I need to know, I ask you to reveal it to me because you said you'd reveal these things to me by your Spirit. So Lord, I don't want to sin against you. I want to be holy and walk in obedience to your Word. Now Lord, if I've done something wrong, and I probably have, Lord, I repent. I want to get right with you. I want to walk in love and do what you say. Now, Father, I want to thank you that you promised to heal all my diseases. So, praise God, I'm healed. And see, now, when you do believe this, you've got to act on it. See, that's just like Thomas uh, last Tuesday. I told the Sunday Christians this, and you know, some of you all might not have been here. But Thomas was a 42-year-old young man, I think, out west. Lubbock, I believe that's where he said he was from. He called me last Tuesday before we were going to GLC, and he said, I got to talk to Thurman. And so the mother girl come got me, and I went and called him back. And I said, sir, how can I help you? And he said, I, my wife and I have been listening to your teachings for about a year now. He said, we have totally changed our lifestyle. Everything we did has changed. He said, we've repented of everything known to man that we've done. But he said, I am down completely with my back in the most excruciating pain. He said, I am hurting, and I, I just can't get up. I said, and he said, I'm 42 years old. I said, well, the Lord will honor, honor what you've done by getting all your sins repented of. And then I said, when I pray for you in faith, the king's going to heal you. He promised that too. And so I prayed the prayer of faith for Thomas. Last, I believe it was Tuesday morning or before noon Tuesday because it was, we were on the way right after that. But sometime that morning, Tuesday morning, and I thank the Lord for doing it for him. And then I asked him, I said, now, do you believe you're healed? He said, well, yes. I said, okay, then get up. I said, sick people stay in bed. Well, people go do something. He said, now? Well, see, that's where we think. You know, we don't think, well, I, the pain's still here, so I'm not healed. I told him, get up, do something. So he gets up and he walks around a minute and he said, you know, the pain's almost completely gone already. He said, this is great. Well, we went ahead and went to GLC and when we got back Thursday night, I had a note on my door. Thomas called back. He is completely healed. I don't know more pain. He is just 
happy as he can be. Well, I mean, what did King promise to do here? How many of our diseases, Keith, did he say he'd heal? Well, I don't know. Maybe we need to have a class on what A-L-L means, huh? I, I wasn't a very big, I wasn't a very powerful man in language or English or nothing like that, but I think all means all, don't you? Yes, sir. And so when the king makes you and me a promise like that, and I know he says when I ask for something, I have to ask in faith. I, I, can, ha- I can have a little waiver, though, can I? I can't have nothing wavering. I'd be kind of like a guy walking up to you and dating you for a while and say, you know, honey, I love you so much, but I'm not sure yet, but I think maybe I want to marry you. Would you marry me? (laughs) You ain't going there with a guy like that, are you? You you want that guy that says, I know I love you with all my heart, right? And that's the man you're looking for. He's looking for that wishy-washy one. You know, you want that one that knows he's talking business, right, Keith? Yes, sir. Amen. Well, that's what the king wants, too. He wants you and me to have faith. If he said it, believe it. So this is a benefit package. And then after that he says in verse 3, Who forgives, who forgiveth all thine iniquities and heals all thy diseases. Verse 4, Who redeems your life from destruction. Who redeems your life from destruction and covers you with loving kindness and tender mercies who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Now, I think of the story of about a family that were a very poor family. They didn't know the principles of God very much. They'd studied and went to church a little, and they were on the way back from California, and they it come night, and this was a long time ago, and the uh, vehicle that they were driving didn't have lights and things on it. Of course, my dad used to drive one of those things, and... The oil field, uh, he used to drive a great big white truck, and there was no electrical system on it. So when that big, uh, when nighttime come, wherever they was, they just pulled off the side of that dirt road and stopped. And that's the way life used to be in Texas, you know. It hadn't always been like it is right now. So anyway, he said that uh, he pulled off the side of the road, this couple did, and they stopped and said uh, they didn't have anything to eat. And they were kind of grumbling and complaining, well, I don't know what we're going to do. There's no place to go. We don't have anything to eat. You know, what are we going to do? said, one of the little children said, well, Daddy, you know, God said in His Word, He promised to satisfy our mouth daily with good things. That's one of His benefit packages. Out of the mouths of babes, huh? Isn't that awesome? Here's Mom and Daddy. They're probably the one that taught the little child this, but they didn't believe this. But the child, it's just, I mean, they're just innocent enough. If God said it, they believe it. So he said, well, Daddy, why don't we pray and ask God to bring us something to eat? Now, they're out in the middle of nowhere. So the Daddy said, okay, just to please the child, you know, I knelt beside the car and asked the Father in Jesus' name to bring us something to eat and thanked Him for it. He said, I didn't no more believe, you know, that God... He said, so the children said, oh, good, Daddy, God will bring us something in a a few minutes. We know He's going to bring us something to eat. Now, they're out in the middle of nowhere... He said, just in a few minutes, a man come along in a truck, and he stopped, and he said, uh, oh, are y'all going to stop here for the night? He said, uh, yes, sir, we're going to stop here. He said, well, I own a big farm down here, and this uh, uh, wagon over that i got is full of uh, cantaloupes and watermelon and, and all kinds of uh, heads of lettuce and everything else. And have y- y'all got anything to eat? 
He said, well, as a matter of fact, we don't. He said, well, just go around there and get anything y'all want out there for you and your family and take it up for tomorrow too. So he said, they went around there and got everything. They had a great meal with all them fresh vegetables, tomatoes and everything else. Right, God stuff, right out of the field. You know, it wasn't this stuff that you buy at the store today. It's the good stuff. It's God stuff. He provided that. And he said, after that man drove off, and we sat there as while we was eating that, I thought, you know, God, if we could get to where we could have faith like children. I mean, I prayed. I prayed. I'm daddy. I prayed. I've taught these children to believe in God. And they're running around here dancing, thanking God for the blessing. He knows, they know he's going to bring us something to eat. You know, when you think about faith, this kind of faith, you think about George Mueller in that orphan's home over there in England. And, you know, George was the kind of guy that he, the Lord spoke to him and told him to start an orphan's home. He did. But when the orphan's home got up to where there's two or 3,000 children in it, you know, and they'd walk up to his office uh, one afternoon, say about 12, and say, Mr. Mueller, we have 2,500 children sitting at the dinner tables, and we don't have anything to feed them today. Nothing. What do we do? He said, no problem. I will pray, and within a few minutes, God will deliver food. And he said he would pray and said within never took more than 30 minutes after he prayed that a truck or two or three trucks would pull up and unload enough food to feed 2,500 children. You know, and he, George Mueller is also the man that started across the North Atlantic on a ship coming to America and they run into a real bad, dense fog and they couldn't get through. They were just going so slow and George asked the captain, he said, at this rate, are we going to be at New York on time? He said, oh, no, we'll be a couple of days late. He said, I'm never late for a meeting. He said, where can we go and pray? The captain said, well, let's go to my office. And so we went, and George Mueller knelt and prayed and asked God to remove the fog. And the captain said, now I'll pray. He said, no, you don't need to pray. He said, you have no faith. So he said, the captain didn't pray. He said, besides that, the fog's already gone. So the captain opened the door and looked out to a beautiful, clear sky. You talk about a man of faith, George Mueller knew how to move the hand of God. He said, the captain said, I need to know this God that you pray to. And the captain got saved. See, that's what it's all about right there, isn't it, son? That's what it's all about, getting people to know and believe in this Jesus that we, we serve. But when you claim these promises by faith, there's not anything else that you need on this earth than what's covered in this benefit package on these five verses. Everything. A God that will forgive every iniquity. A God that will heal all your diseases. One that will save you from destruction. That will crown you with loving kindness. That will satisfy your mouth daily with good things. And that will renew your youth like the eagle. Never is any more than that you need. That covers it all, doesn't it? You can't beat a benefit package like that. So, Lord, as we look at that benefit package, you just brought that to my attention, and you said go over that before we go to Ephesians. So, I did it. Now, Lord, we go to Ephesians. We're going to start in verse 3 today. This verse is so powerful. So powerful. Chapter 1, verse 3. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. 
And every time I read this, I can see Paul standing on the hills of Ephesus with both hands raised, screaming this this verse. He said, Blessed be the God and Father. Did the Lord tell us in Psalms 103 to bless Him? Was Paul doing this? Yes, he was. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who hath blessed us. Oh, you mean it works both ways. We bless Him and then He blesses us. He did say whatever you give shall be you shall receive, right? Is that what He said, Chief? So what if you don't bless Him? You may not receive any blessing. But if you bless Him, that's why He said give and it shall be given unto you. Now, most people think about that just as money. But that's not what, that's not all. He's, he's talking about everything. You know, whatever you do, well, that's what you're going to receive. If you walk in love, you're going to receive love. You walk in hatred, what are you going to receive? Hatred. Yeah, that's just the way it is. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. They're already yours and mine, Keith. I mean, all of them, right? Every spiritual blessing belongs to us as the children of God. Boy, and most of my life I didn't know what they were, had no idea what they were, didn't know how to use them, didn't ever see God do anything, but yet here he told me, he's not going, I was praying, Lord, give me the, give me one of these wonderful gifts. Lord, I'd like to have one of these spiritual blessings. Lord, I'd like to have the, I'd like to have the gift of healing, Lord. I'd like to have the gift of wisdom. You know, I'd like to have the gift of knowledge. Maybe even tongues or interpretation of tongues. I mean, that's pretty bold when you're a Baptist. Amen. <laughs> Real bold when you're a Baptist. <laughs> Lord, please, I want some of these things. And the king said, no. No. Lord, I mean, I don't understand this. Finally, one day, in my pleading and begging, God said, I already give them to you. They're yours. You don't have to beg me and plead and ask me for this. When you became my child, everything I had became yours. I thought, what? Everything that Jesus had became mine when I became a child of God? Now, that's a temple. That's a little more than I can fathom. You know that? Just a little more than I can fathom. If, if let's say I was a man worth $150 million, and I adopted you as my son, you said, you said, Dad, <laughs> I'm talking your language, right? You say, Dad, could I have 50, could I have 50 bucks? I say, son. Oh, son. I mean, what do you want? Well, Dad, I'd like to have me a nice little car. Oh, how would you like to have a Maserati? <laughs> now, now, I'm talking your language now, right? You see where I'm coming from? That Maserati is nothing compared to what God's given us. I mean, it's nothing. It's just a piece of junk. It's really a piece of junk compared to what He's given us here. But... All spiritual blessings in heavenly places belong to you and me. The minute we get saved, this is ours. All we've got to do is believe it. So just like I used one of those blessings on Thomas last Tuesday morning. Yeah. What did the king say? Under one of his spiritual blessings, under the new covenant, he said, Whatever you ask in my name, the name of Jesus, I will do for you. 
Now somebody said, well, I don't, I don't know that's in the Bible. So see, that's what's wrong with us. We don't know where that's found. All, you're right, all over the place. Many places it's found in the Bible. Or we don't know that Matthew 18, 19 is there, the prayer of agreement. You know, that's another one of those wonderful spiritual blessings. That's ours. All we've got to do is believe it. Or we don't know that Mark eleven twenty three, the king really meant what he said when he said, whatever you say with that mouth. Where is that miracle? It is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. The word of faith that we preach that if you will confess with that mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart the Father raised Him from the dead, you will be sozoed or you will be saved, healed, delivered, made whole, preserved. Just like that says. Isn't that amazing? That everything belongs to us and I was a Christian for 40 years and didn't know these things. Never saw God do nothing. Didn't see any miracles. And I'm begging and pleading for God to give me something or do something. And finally one day he said, Son, look right there. I want you to see I've already done it for you. So don't ask me for them. I've given them to you. It'd be just kind of like I say, I'm going to put $50 million of that in the bank account for you, Tim. Here's your checkbook. Go have a heyday. You could have a heyday, right? Amen. I know I could if I had, my dad had to give me something like that when I was a young man. It would have ruined me, I'll tell you for sure. It would have ruined me. That's why I didn't have it. That's why he didn't give it to me. Because I couldn't have contained it. You know, I would have got killed or got me a fast car. And who knows what I would have done, you know. But God knew that. That's why he didn't give me that money when I was young and stupid. You know, you know. <laughs> now, I know none of you all be young and stupid besides me. You know, okay. So, but I've been there. I've done it. i got a feeling some of you all might have been there with me. I don't know. <laughs> oh, be now then. Let's let's look at what he says here. In fact, I'm going to read this uh, out of this Living Bible. This is so awesome. I want you to look here in Ephesians one. It says, as he says, how we praise God. This this is in verse three. How we praise God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we belong to Christ. That couldn't be any simpler than that, could it? We belong to Jesus. Now then, that's kind of like this uh, guy, uh, one of these, uh, I forget who it was, maybe it was one of those Muslims I saw the other day. He said, when, first of all, in a dream, or maybe it wasn't, maybe, I don't know, remember I hear so many stories people tell me, but he said, anyway, I was in heaven in a dream and I needed an organ of some kind. You know, I mean, a heart or whatever it was, a kidney, a liver or something. And he said, I, I saw myself in heaven and there was Jesus. And he said he had a spare parts warehouse there with everything imaginable in it. And he said, Lord, the, the spare kidneys, brand new ones. I need a pair. He said, oh, i got plenty of them. But he said, you can't have one. He said, why not? He said, you're not my child. Those are for my children. You don't get one. He said, how do I get one? He said, you have to make me your Lord and your Savior and become my child. Then he said, I'll give you one. Isn't that amazing? You know, I mean, do you do things for your children you won't do for the child across the street? Sure you do. You know? I mean, that's the way we are. But that's the way God is too. And when you come to Him, become His child. 
And then you're an obedient child, and when you read the Word and learn it, he'll, he'll bless you in every kind of way. But he says, so how he's blessed us with all... It says, long ago, even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. He chose us, predestined us, all of us, everybody. Technically speaking, God chose or predestined the whole world to be his children. He wants all of us to come to him, doesn't he? You know, I get, we get so hung up on this word predestination. You know, I've, I've sat down with men and I've even had one guy one time in one of the cities a few years ago. He found out I was a man that loved God and talked about him, prayed about everything I did in the workplace and everything. And, and he said, I'd like to sit down with you and talk about predestination. I said, okay, no problem. So we sat down and we started talking about it. He said, what does predestination mean to you? I said, well, Jesus chose me you know, to be his before the foundation of the world. He said, well, he just chose some. I said, no, he chose everybody. But he gave you a free will. You know, you can make the decision to love Him or you can turn your back on Him. But He predestined or chose the whole world to be His sons and daughters. That's what He sent His Son for, to die for the sins of, oh, part of the world. Oh, what did He say to him? Oh, so you read that verse just like I did. So if He died for the sins of the whole world, anybody can be predestined or chosen to be one of God's children. All He got to do is make that decision, just like you and me, right? Absolutely. You think... What, just think now, since we have to receive Jesus by faith, and that's what we have to do, right? Yes, by faith we receive Him. What if Jesus had said in His Word, I'm going to save everybody in the world but one. There's going to be one that's going to be born on the earth. I'm not going to save Him. Just one. Now then, the enemy could have taxed you, and how in the world would you ever know for sure you wasn't that one? See, you never could have, could you? No, nobody could have been saved. Since He's a faith God, and He demands that we receive everything by faith, if He had just said, one person, I'm going to save everybody on earth, but one. So you heard this message. Jesus is willing to save everybody. And you said, well, I want to get saved. And the devil whispers in your ear, but Keith, you old wicked sinner, you, you know you're that one. You know you ain't going to get saved. You know God ain't going to save an old wicked creator like you. Isn't that what He say to you? Sure. And so guess what? There would always be a little doubt. And as long as there's a little doubt, you're not saved. You've got to know. You can't guess. Somebody says, well, you've tried everything else in the world. Why don't you try Jesus? Let me tell you, you don't try Jesus. You do Jesus by faith. You try Jesus and you'll go to hell. You don't try Jesus. And that's what happens to people that try Jesus for their healing. They don't ever get it. They try Him. You know, but Lord, I know you said, and I know your promises are real. But Lord, I don't understand why I don't ever get my healing. I read an article of Smith Wigglesworth, one of his books. This woman came up to him and said, Brother Wigglesworth, you prayed for me three times. I know God's promises are real. I just don't understand why I can't get my healing. He said, Ma'am, are you still taking your medicine? Oh, yeah, I'm taking that medicine every day. In fact, she said, i got another doctor's woman tomorrow. I'm going down to see what that doctor says about it. He said, there's your problem. You don't believe the king. He said, when you start believing the king, you're going to get your healing. Now, that's a hard place for us to go, isn't it? 
That's a hard place for us to go. There's n- almost nobody walks in faith. No, almost nobody. In fact, I don't know anybody that walks in total faith. There are certain things that happen to some of us we can't get done on our own. We have to go to a doctor. And it's unfortunate because Jesus, if you can believe, nothing shall be impossible with you. Didn't He say that? And He said that several places too, didn't He? Several places. So it's not just when the Word says don't let ever do anything on just one witness. Jesus made sure He put plenty of them in there, didn't He? But see, it's hard to receive when it's your body that's hurting. Now, the devil knows that. You know, he knows when it's your body. When he can attack your body, he'll whisper in your ear, but Deborah, you old wicked girl, you know you know Jesus. He might have healed this other lady, but he ain't going to heal you. You know? Or you know that you know you prayed for whatever something happened in a court, but you know he did it for her, but he ain't going to do it for you. But you've got to come against that. And say, I'm a daughter of the king. Devil, I ain't believing that lie. If Jesus made me the promise, it's done. That's like the man the other day that wrote me the letter about the glaucoma. He said, I came to one of your teachings and I heard all you had to say. That healing school, he said, I come up, you prayed for me. And I said, I thought I got a whole bunch of your stuff. He said, for a week and a half, man, I devoured them things day and night. He said, praise God, it's in the book. It's written, I don't need this medicine no more, I'm healed. He said, in three days, my, my eyes were killing me. And he said, this ain't working. I went back to my medicine. He said, but them promises have got to work. So he said, I got back in them, and I forget how many weeks he studied and listened. And he said, I got it. I got it. I know I can do it this time. He said, I took the medicine. I quit using it. And he said, I made it a week this time. He said, at the end of that week, I was hurting so bad, I couldn't go no more. So he said, I had to go back on the medicine. He said, I went again. He said, I studied and I read. He said, I know faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word. He said, I just don't have enough Word in me. That's all. So he said, I, I forget six months or whatever. He listened and studied and consumed the Bible, listened to our teachings overnight and day. He said, I've got it. I've got it. I've got it. And he said, I quit taking my medicine. He said, within about a week, my eyes were killing me. I said, no, I, you devil of hell, I ain't getting off. I'm off of that medicine. It's done. He said, I was up and down for the next five or five and a half months. He said, I'm continuing to listen to the Word. Finally, he said, about five and a half months, one day, I just said, God, it's done. I don't care what happens to me. It's written in this book. It's done. And he said, at that instant, I was instantly healed. He said, all my pain left, and I ain't had another pain since that day. And he, a few months later, he went up to wherever his brother lived, up some state. He was telling his miracle, and he said, you know, I don't believe that. You still got it. He said, no, I don't. I'm over it. It's done. So he said, my brother took me in. He was a optometrist or whatever, and he done all the checks. He said, I'm going to check you. He said, okay. So he said, he checked me. He said, well, it appears you don't have any glaucoma. But he said, i got a good friend that's got the fanciest, newest equipment, and I'm going to take you down there tomorrow, and we're going to check you down there. He said, okay, I'll go with you. So he said, I went down there, and they checked me every way of the world. When he come back, he said, you know, you don't have a sign of glaucoma. Never. Don't pierce. So he said, hey. But how long did he have it? He had it all this time, and all this time he's fighting pain, and he's standing on the Word. And when he really made that declaration, it's written in this book. He said, Lord, I don't care if i got this pain. I don't care what my eyes are doing. I'm going to believe what your Word says. And he said, it is done. He said, I was bold and violent. Lord, you said it. I believe you. It's done. And he said, damn, I was instantly healed. My pain went away in my eyes, and I ain't had a pain since. 
I love those kind of three-page phrase reports when people write them. Look, you tell. You better be sure the Lord's telling you to stop that because you can go blind 24 to 48 hours and it's like, oh, my. Yeah. The Holy Spirit tells you stop, then stop. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. It's by faith. Uh-huh. By faith. That's what I'm saying. There's no, so few people have faith. You know, we try it. We try it and it don't work. But you don't try Jesus. If you don't try Jesus, it can be very detrimental to your health. You either got to know this is the truth or it does not work for you. And that's what's wrong with us today. Too many people try Jesus. And guess who knows your heart? Jesus. So He knows if you know that you've got all spiritual blessings. Or He knows whether you think you've got them or not. You know? And that's what happens to us. We think. We read it. Or we went to church one time. We heard some guy preach on there, speak on it one night. And we think we got it. Well, let me tell you, you don't have it. It don't come that quick, does it, Ty? You get in that book and you mind that book like you and I do night and day. And that's when it comes, right? That's right. That's exactly right. And that's what he said in the letter. He said, I, the more I got in the Word and the more violent I became with the Word. And he said, my glaucoma was healed. And I thought, wow, when I read that letter, I thought, thank you, Jesus, Lord, you're almighty God. But this is not easy. Faith is not easy. If it was, everybody in church would be walking in faith. But that's why so few people walk in it, because they don't know what it takes. But anyway, he says, after we praise the Lord, it says uh, in the next verse, so we praise God for the wonderful kindness He has poured out on us because we belong to His dearly loved Son. Now see, this is why He does it for you, because you belong to His Son. You're a believer in Jesus. Now if you're not a believer in Jesus, none of this stuff works for you. A lot of people, you have no idea in my, in my working life how many people walked into my office and I talked to them about business and then I said, by the way, are you a Christian? Do you go to church? Well, yeah, I go some. Well, I said, uh, if you died today, do you know for sure you'd go to heaven. Well, I sure hope so. I said, well, you sure hope so? You know, on what grounds are you going? Well, I mean, after all, Thurman, I've been a good guy. I go to church uh, every time the doors open. You know, and I've been good. I've took care of my wife and children. And, you know, I've not been a bad guy. And I, I try to live by the laws of the land. So upon my good works, surely my good works are better than my bad ones. And so surely God will honor that and let me in heaven someday. Is He going to honor that? No. Hmm. It's by faith in the name of Jesus. It's the only way you're going to get there. That's the only way. So if you believe you're going to get to heaven because your good works outweighs your bad works, you are not going to get there. The Word says there's only one way, and that's by the blood of Jesus. Good works, yeah. In fact, that Muslim the other night said that they believe that they're taught that every Muslim is going to go to hell except those that die as a martyr for Allah, and those alone will get to go to heaven. And he said that's why people will strap a bomb around themselves and go kill somebody because they believe that's going to get them to heaven. That's sad, isn't it? So anyway, so we praise God. He is so rich in kindness that He purchased our freedom through the blood of His Son, and our sins are forgiven. He has showed His kindness to us along with all wisdom and understanding. 
Now, all of this is supposed to be mine and yours. Now then, let's look at this God's secret plan. In the next verse, he says, God's secret plan has now been revealed to us. It is a plan centered on Christ. Now, what's this plan centered around? The king. This is all about the king. You know, so don't don't think that, you know, uh, that you're going to be somebody and you're going to, you know, the, the, I can think of the times when I read in some of the books about Smith Wigglesworth that he got so powerful in the Lord and the Lord answered his prayers. People run up to him and said, Mr. Wigglesworth, will you please heal me? He says, repent. I don't heal nobody. He said, I just pray the prayer of faith for you. But he said, the, the more powerful he got in the Lord, the more people thought he was the healer. And he finally, I heard, read in one of his books one day, he said, if you people don't stop saying I'm the healer, God's going to take me out. He don't share his glory with nobody. Now, see, that man understood the principles. So when people were giving him the glory, and he was 87 years old, a fantastically healthy man of God that looked about two-thirds of his age, or maybe half of his age, and could do anything... And I mean, healthy as he could be, and all of a sudden stepped up in a pulpit one day, and God took his spirit out of him, and bam, he fell instantly dead right there in the pulpit. He was gone. And, of course, I think that Smith probably would have said, probably the reason the Lord took me out is because so many people thought I was a healer, and and they wasn't giving glory to him for what I was doing. Yeah, you had a statement, Joseph? Uh, yeah, Wait just a second. Yeah. So let me get a mic here. Yeah, please. If, it's, if we make a statement that's not on the that we can't hear it on the tape. That's right. Okay, uh, I was going to tell you about Smith Wigglesworth. What, what confirm what you were just saying there? The um, <clears throat> the week before Smith Wigglesworth died, he was with a friend, uh, and he was uh, talking with him and praying. And he was weeping over that and telling his friend that the Lord was about to take him home. And the reason was, he said he had uh, invitations from around the world, in Europe, Australia, America, and every place for him to come and minister. But he says the Lord will not share his glory with anyone. And he says, um, the problem is people have their eyes on me, Smith Wigglesworth, and not on the Lord. And the very next week he died. Amen. That's absolutely... That, that, you know, Jesus, don't this thing, this whole thing's about the King. <laughs> it's about Jesus. Don't you ever take any, you know, don't take any glory for nothing. Because, you know, praise Him and worship Him in everything you do. Everything. Bless His holy name. And then He will bless you. And He says, at the right hand, He will bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and on earth. He will do this. Now, He says, furthermore, Because of Christ, we have received an inheritance. Because of what Jesus did, not because of what you did, but because of what Jesus did, we have received an inheritance from God, for He chose us from the beginning, and all things happened just as He decided long ago. Now, who has it set this plan in motion? Jesus did. Before the foundation of the world was laid, He put this entire plan in motion. And He knew what He was going to do. And he give us a choice. And he, even though the thing that I find so hard to comprehend as a human being, God knew all this. And he told us in Matthew 7 
that narrow is the pathway that leads to life, and few there will be that will find it. And broad is the way that leads to destruction, and many will be that will find that. And then, of course, after we talked to Howard Pittman the other night, the other day and night, all day, he said when he died in 1979, there was only 2.5% of the people that died in that 15-minute span that he died in that got to go to heaven. 2.5% and 97.5% went to hell. That's a pretty narrow path, isn't it? 50 people out of 2,000 in that 15-minute period that died on earth when he died, only 50, 50 of the 2,000 got to go to heaven. That's 2.5%. That's a very small number. But you know, you go out in the course of a day today, you're in America with his churches on every corner. Bible study classes everywhere. You can find people having Bible studies in their home and everything else. People talking to people about Jesus. And on any given Sunday, the percentage of people that's alive on this earth, or not on this earth, but in America, probably a tiny little percentage of them are in church on Sunday. You know? I mean, they're just, they're just not there. They're just not there. Just a, such a tiny number. It says, God's purpose was that we were the first to trust in Christ and should praise our glorious God. Now, see, that's what we're supposed to be doing, praising Him and worshiping Him, giving glory to God. You know, I mean, so many people don't do that. You know, they don't praise Him and worship Him and, and thank Him. You know, Dave and I, last night, we had a, we had a real, you know, yesterday I'd been building a little bracket for uh, a, a GPS I had for the airplane, and I got the little bracket all built and got it all mounted and everything. And last night about uh, 10 o'clock, I said, Dave, uh, I'm going to the airport to put this little bracket in the airplane. I said, would you like to go with me? He said, how long are we going to be gone? I said, about four hours. <laughs> he said, yeah, I'll go with you. Now, everybody else except Cheryl thought I was kidding. But we got out there and put the bracket in the airplane. And I said, well, now we've got to test this thing to see if it works. So at 11 o'clock, we lifted off in the night when everybody else is sleeping. And I said, Ty, you can talk to the controllers. At that time of night, there ain't no problem. I mean, I had my radios worked on. I called. I tried to call the tower. I said, well, I'm thinking I'll just go over to Addison and we'll land at Addison. I called Addison Tower and ain't nobody responded. I called about three times. Finally, a guy come back and said, the tower closed at Addison. I said, okay, good. So I called the approach control, regional approach. I said, you know, I just had my radios worked on. How are they working? The guy said, they're working fine. No problem. I turned it on. Didn't hear nobody talking. So I turned over to the other radio and dialed in the same frequency. I said, you know, like a radio check on this and do it. How's it working? He said, it's working loud and clear. No problem. I said, well, let's go over to Addison. They pulled up the stuff on the computer, and it says, now, Addison. I said, let's just make a touch and go. He pulled up information. He says, you can't make a touch and go at Addison without prior approval from the airport manager. Isn't that amazing? So I said, okay. So let's line up and do an approach. And we made an approach and lined up, and I got about 10 feet off the ground. I said, okay, we're going to execute a go-around. So we didn't touch and go. We just went right on around. <laughs> you know, I never did touch the ground. I didn't. 
Then we went over to McKinney and called in over there and her tower's closed and they nothing says you can't do a touch and go over there. So we done a touch and go landed there and rolled down the runway and took off. Then we took off, went over to Denton. We tried to call Denton, of course they're closed, so we made it shot an ILS approach over there. You know, we come in, made a landing over there, and then we took off out of there and made a, uh, we went over while we was in the process of all this, I said, You know, Dave, I've never seen this uh, uh, object uh, warning. I said, So let's find us a tower out here. And so we looked down on the chart and it says it's about a 1600 foot tower. I said, I lower it down to 1400. I'm going to head straight for that tower, which is about seven miles away. And I'm going to see if this thing tells me before I hit it. <laughs> you know, it's a beautiful, clear night. We can see the lights on the tower. So we get, as we're getting closer and closer, we get about two miles from it. Of course, that tower looks big and it looks close. I said, Dave, how far are we away from that? He said, you're still two miles. I said, man, that thing looks close. We keep on going. And I said, man, this thing getting closer and closer. It's big. Look at that big monster. And all of a sudden, it says, warning. Object ahead and drew a big red circle around the tower. I said, hey, how far are we at now? He said, you're just one mile from it. You know, one mile is a long way. But not if you're going very fast. Yeah, that's right. We weren't going very fast. We were flying a 150, so it was only doing 110. You know, so then we go from there over to uh, uh, McKinney. We land, then we go over to Denton and land, and then we take off there and go to Northwest, and we come in and land there. So we're gone two hours, but one thirty or 2 in the morning, we walk back in the house. You know, we were gone pretty close to four hours. But in the whole time, as Dave and I was up there looking at all of God's beauty, the creation, and the lights, we're praising Him and thanking Him, not only for this airplane we're flying in, and the gas to fly it, you know, and the knowledge and wisdom to do it, but the beautiful lights he put down there, and everything, we're praising him and worshiping him. I know the king was happy with me and Dave last night. We were praising him, and he'll let us do that again some night, you know, because we worship him and praise him and thank him for everything he gives us. You know, I'm grateful for what God has. Aren't you? I am grateful for everything the king's given me. I'm not doing nothing, because I'm not nothing. I'm just a piece of dust. But God has blessed me wonderfully on this earth. Wonderfully. He answers prayer when you're obedient and serving. He'll do wonderful things. Then he says here, he says, as he says, God's purpose was that we who were the first who trust in Christ should praise our glorious God. And now you also have heard the truth, the good news, that God saves you. Now, I'm telling you, that's good news. Without being saved, and a multitude of people today think they're saved, and they don't even have a clue who Jesus is. And when you believe in Christ, He identified you as His own by giving you the Holy Spirit. Wow! Now, with the Holy Spirit come tremendous gifts and knowledge and, and I think Ty thought on the Holy Ghost last week. So those you were here last Tuesday night, you heard some of the things that the Holy Ghost can do. You've probably even seen some demonstrations of the Holy Ghost last week. Because when he teaches about the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost usually shows up. Praise the Lord. And said and, and whom he promised long ago. He promised his Holy Ghost to us. But I mean I was raised up in a church. I I was taught all my life. All the Holy Ghost I'd ever get is what I got when I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And I walked totally powerless for all those years. And then one Sunday, I heard a Ph.D. preach 
that there is no such thing as a second event as the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Now, he, he believes that. He'd been taught that in seminary, and he believed that. So, as I left that church and I said, Lord, I believe that man loves you with all his heart, but I believe he's absolutely wrong. So, the next morning as I drove by that church on the way to work, I looked up and I said, Lord, I believe with what I've been... You, said, you told the people in Jerusalem, after you breathed on the disciples, you told them, go to Jerusalem and wait for the coming of the power of the Holy Ghost. I said, they went and prayed ten days. And I said, them men was afraid. The women, they were hid out. But when that Holy Ghost fell that day, I mean, Peter, which had just denied Jesus three times, he's out there preaching and thousands got saved. I said, something happened to that guy, Lord. I said, if this is a real event. And I said, Lord, I've read all those places, all through the book of Acts, where all these different men had hands laid on them, how your Holy Spirit fell on them. I said, you can't put a limit on how you do this. I said, Father... If that really is real, I'm just a little Baptist guy, and I'm trying to do the best I can. I'm trying to believe this word like you wrote it. And if this baptism of the Holy Ghost is a real thing, would you please put that power on me? And let me tell you, bam! He hit me. He hit me like a can of nine tails, and I ain't never been the same since. Man, did I start talking to people about Jesus, witnessing, getting people saved, start casting out demons, healing the sick, and everything else. It, I'd never done none of that in my life until I, that morning. After that, man, the power fell, and I ain't never been the same. <laughs> it's fun, it is I. Praise the King. But like I say, we can, we can only go where our knowledge of the Word is. And God's standing there waiting to do something for you. Just like Savior, he, do you think He wants to save everybody in this earth right now? Of course He does. That's what He sent His Son to die for, so He can save us. And we're rebellious and bucking our back up, and we don't believe this stuff. It can't be that simple. You mean all i got to do is confess with my mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in my heart God raised Him from the dead, and I'll be transformed and saved? Yeah, that's how simple it is, isn't it, Deborah? And when, you, when they believe that, and the most awesome story... I told you all this here a while back, but it, it got a pretty good laugh, and I, some of you probably didn't hear it, but it was when that doctor that, had, that finally wrote the book about those death experiences, he said, I was a doctor, and he said, I'd been one a long time. He said, I didn't believe in Jesus. He said, I've been to church, but I didn't believe in this stuff. He said, I'd, somebody would die on my table. He said, I'd resuscitate him. I was a good doctor, he said. He said, I had all the special equipment. He said, I could have them dead sometimes four, five, ten minutes. I could bring them back from the dead. He said, if I'd bring them back sometimes, they'd be fussing at me. What do you mean bringing me back? I was in heaven. I don't want to come back. He said, this guy's hallucinating. He's crazy. He said, then the next one come back. I'm, I was in hell. I was, do something, please. I, I, I was in hell. He said, this guy, he's hallucinating. He said, you never know which way they're going to go. One of them's telling in heaven he don't want to come back. The next one's in hell and he's in terror. He said, one guy come back, he said, I've got to be saved. I was in hell. I've got to be saved. Can you tell me how to be saved? He said, sure. All you got to do is confess Jesus. Say, he said, I don't know how to do that. He said, just say, I believe that Jesus rose from the dead for my sins. And I believe the Father raised him up to do it. He said, in the name of Jesus, I am saved. And he said, that guy said it is. And me and him both got saved. <laughs> so, and he wrote this book. He was a great Christian doctor now. But he said, God slipped up on my backside that day. And he saved me too. What I confessed. Isn't it amazing what God has to do, sir? Uh, yeah, I believe that was the title of it, yeah. 
Yeah, he, was, he used to be on TBN when I used to have time to watch TBN. Have you heard that testimony too? Oh, okay. I believe that was the doctor that wrote that book about the hell and back. Uh, because I think that was the title of it. Because what it is, it's a doctor. He was trying to, he had a heart attack and he had him on the treadmill, looked up the EKG, and he was trying to, he was trying to duplicate the, his condition. And the guy basically dropped dead on, on the treadmill and he brought him back and, and he said, he said, I didn't even believe it. I just made up a prayer to, you know, to pacify him. And, and he said, sure enough, he said, as soon as he said it, he said, the guy laid back in peace, but he, he testified. He said, yeah, God, God got a hold of me. John Osteen, um, uh, Death and Beyond, also did a documentary with that same story. Okay. Praise the Lord. It, you know, it's amazing what God has to do to get us saved, isn't it? I mean, all we got to do is just hear the Word and believe. And the same way for our salvation, same way for our healing, same way for everything. All you got to do is just believe. Then he says, this is the, let's see, where was it? You know, the, the Spirit is God's guarantee. Now, wait a minute now. You can't guarantee what God will do, can you? He can, can't he? The Holy Spirit, you can too. If they'll do what God says, you can guarantee God's Word. Guarantee you can. Now he says, now God's guarantee that He will give us everything He promised. Now wait a minute. He'll give us everything He promised. If God, God said a while ago, did He promise He'd forgive all of your iniquities? Did He promise to heal all your diseases? So if He will give you all these promises, all you got to do is stand and believe, isn't it? I remember one time here in Kenneth Copeland years ago, he was just learning these things himself. And he said, the Lord spoke to me. Both of my children were sick with the flu. He said, I went in. The Lord told me, he said, go in there and lay hands on them and I'll heal them. He said, I heard the Lord tell me that. He said, man, I went in there and I laid my hands on them babies. He said, be healed in the name of Jesus. He said, I sat there a little while and they kept sniffling. They kept blowing bubbles. And I thought, this ain't working. He said, I go back out and I go out there a little while. And I said, I turned. He said, I finally come back in there and both of them still sick. You know, they're still blowing bubbles, you know, out of their nose and runny nose, and they got fever. And I thought, you know, maybe, maybe I didn't hear God tell me this. But he said, I know I heard a voice. Isn't that amazing? That we won't just stand on his promises. But he said, I thought, well, God, you said it. And if I heard you say it, and it's written in the Word, then I'm just going to go to bed and leave it in your hands. And he said, I woke up the next morning, went into both of them, was totally healed. Now, what happens when you believe the Lord? Will He do what He said? Let's see, what do we expect Him to do? A miracle for us right now, every time. But He don't do that, does He? No, He doesn't do that. Now, He does do miracles. And He does do healings. Miracles happen right now. And healings take a little while. But He will always give you everything He promised in His Word if you stand in faith with no doubt in your heart. So that he has purchased us to be his own children. This is just one more reason for us to praise our glorious God. I mean, we ought to be praising him every, in everything we do all day long, shouldn't we, Keith? Yes, sir. And when we do, it sure does make your day go better, doesn't it? Oh, yes, it does. Now then, let's look, starting here in about verse 15. Now, this is, a, this is a prayer that you need to get a hold of. And you need to pray this for yourself and for other people. 
Now, this is a very, very powerful prayer. It says, ever since I first heard of your strong faith in the Lord. Well, I don't know many churches, first of all, that's got strong faith in the Lord. We are weak faith. And it's really wonderful to see some people that really believe that God will do what He said He will do. I love being around those kind of people, don't you? I mean, I love being around people that says, Hey, if God said it, praise God, it's done. That's all there is to it. I believe it. And I love to talk to people that says, Well, let me tell you about 15 years ago and I prayed this prayer and I got it answered. Well, let me tell you about one I prayed last week and I got it answered too. Now, see, some people say that, yeah, I got one answered 15 years ago, but that's the last one I've ever seen. Well, then there's something wrong in your life. You ain't had an answer to prayer 15 years. You ain't praying for nobody or you ain't believing, one of the two. Because let me tell you, this there's people out there that need prayer. In fact, you need prayer yourself. So, don't be like I was the other night whenever Dave had to come in when I couldn't find that book. You know, when I'd frustrated and looked all day, all for two or three hours, couldn't find it, and Dave walked in the office, and I'd called and been on the Internet and everything else trying to find that code, and he walked in and said, what's wrong, Pastor? I said, Dave, I can't find that code book. I've looked everywhere I know. He said, well, you know, my pastor would say, have you prayed about this? <laughs> I just happened to be his pastor. And I thought, no, Dave, I haven't prayed about it. I said, Lord, I repent. I looked up to heaven right there at my desk and said, Lord, I repent. Forgive me for not asking you when you said do all things in prayer with thanksgiving. Lord, forgive me for not doing what you said. I have just sinned. I ask forgiveness. I said, now, Father, in Jesus' name, would you tell me where that book is? Thank you for the book. And I mean in one heartbeat, one heartbeat, a thought came to my mind. I knew exactly where that book was. I went right there and opened the door, and there it was. I had it in two minutes after I prayed that prayer. Maybe it didn't even take two minutes. Isn't that amazing? If you had not had an answer to prayer lately, you ain't believing. You ain't believing. You know that? You ain't praying. You know, we're trying to do it on our own. But ever since I first heard of your strong faith in the Lord, I like this, in the Lord Jesus, and your love for Christians everywhere. That's another thing. You notice how he puts those two together? Faith and love. You can't have faith without love, can you? No, you can't do it. It won't work. And he says, I have never stopped thanking God for you. He's talking to the Lord and thanking the Lord for those people. And that's what we should be doing too. He says, I have never stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly. You know, when I used to read this a long time ago, I thought, there ain't nobody can pray constantly. But I now realize you can. I mean, you can be praying while you're talking to somebody else. You know, it's amazing how just a while ago, to give you an exact demonstration of what I'm talking about, here I was talking to you and telling you something and telling you where to go, and I prayed a prayer. And while I was doing that, God spoke to me and told me to go to Psalm 103. The first five verses before I go through Ephesians. I heard him just as clear as a bell. This is what I want you to do. Before you go to Ephesians, I want you to go to Psalm 103. I want you one more time to go over my benefit package to my people so they will get a hold of how to receive this magnificent spiritual blessing in the book of Ephesians because they ain't going to get it if they don't bless me. You ain't going to get it if you don't bless him. He said, if, you, if they bless me, I'll bless them. 
But you've got to bless me first. Is that what he said? Yeah. That's not the way we want it. We want to, for God to bless us and then maybe we'll thank Him for what He does. <laughs> Lord, if you give me a great big new Maserati, <laughs> I might say, thank you, God. He said, well, don't hold your breath. <laughs> you probably never get that car. In fact, you probably won't never get a 1939 Chevrolet at that rate. You know. Isn't that something? But He is the one that holds the purse strings. You know that? He holds everything. Did you have a statement? No? You just... Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Yeah, let me turn that thing on and give it to her. Find the button down there. You know, I think all of the promises, it's, it's if and then. You know, if we obey, oh, sure. we'll do. Absolutely. If we love Him yeah. with our whole heart. Well, He's promised to give the Holy Ghost only to those that obey. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's clear. You know, to those that obey me, I will give the Holy Ghost. And if you don't obey, He ain't going to give Him to you. You know, and that's just like, how many of you will bless your children and things every day if they never obey you in nothing? Are you going to just pour your blessings out upon them? No. You know, I can just see it now, you know. I tell my son, he's 15 years old, let's say, and I say, son, I've got to be out of town this week and the yard looks a little bad. Would you mow the yard for dad? And if you will, I'll give you 50 bucks when I get back. And so I get back and the yard looks awful. It's worse. It's got junk thrown out in the yard. The trash hasn't even been picked up. It looks awful. And I walk in, he said, hi, Dad, I need that 50 bucks you promised me when I got home. Oh, oh well, you act like you, I shouldn't give it to him, huh? <laughs> but now, what if I come home and the yard's manicured? Oh, man, it's beautiful. I mean, there ain't a blade of grass out of place. I mean, the flowers, are, I mean, he went overboard. And it's even got the sprinkler running, you know, I mean, he's really done a super job. Hey, he's expecting you, right? But what, what might you do in that case? You won't even have to. He's not going to have to come look you up for that money, is he? You're going to look him up. And you, and you might say, hey, here's an extra $10 tip, son. This was such a great job. Is that the way we do things? Sure. That's like a lady in a restaurant one time. She was a waitress. And she was running around there waiting on tables. And this guy wanted his tea refilled. And she didn't have time and everything else. And she was busy. And finally at the end... Uh, he got his check and he throwed a dime down there. And she says, you call that a tip? He looked at her and said, no, ma'am, that's a hint. <laughs> That'll preach, won't it? That's a hint. In other words, I mean, Sunday night after church, we went out to a restaurant, four of us. And we had a great meal. The little lady, she was a beautiful little lady. I mean, she was a Christian. We talked to her about Jesus. She said she loved the Lord. Man, she loved to go to church. And boy, she really loved God. I mean, you know, she was at our table every two minutes. You know, can I fill y'all's glass back up? Do y'all need some more of this or more of that? And man, I mean, she took care of us. And we got ready to leave there. And Eldon, he said, well, I, I, I told her, I said, you bring me the check. Well, she come over there with the check. Eldon jerked it out of her hand. I said, I'm paying the bill. He said, nope, I'm paying this one. I said, okay, okay, okay. And he said, I'm, I'll leave her a tip too. And he throwed a $5 bill on the table, and the check was $36. And 
And his wife said, well, you ought to put at least another dollar with that. Because she was such a good waitress. I said, no, 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 don't put another dime with it. I reached in my pocket. I got another five, and I threw it on there. So we gave her a $10 tip and only had a $36 bill. Now then, why did we bless her so? She was a good waitress. I mean, you know, I mean, we didn't have to ask for nothing. You never had to say, hey, young lady, hey, 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 I need some more water. Could you, hey. <laughs> no, no, she was there every five minutes. Is there something I can do for you all? Can I help you all? Hey, you don't mind tipping people like that, right? Now, see, that's the same way it is with God. I mean, He will bless you if you'll be obedient to serve Him, to do what He says. He will bless you. If you bless Him, you wake up in the morning and say, Lord, I love you. He said, oh, Sandra, I love you too, girl. Isn't that wonderful? And that's the way, that's the way it works, see? So when you, when you bless the Lord and tell Him you love Him and you worship Him, He will love you back. And He'll show you He loves you. He'll tell you He loves you. He'll talk to you. He's a great and mighty God. But Paul here has to be talking about, I've never stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly, asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Spiritual wisdom? What do you think? The Word of God says anybody lacks wisdom, let him ask God. Who gives once in a while. What do you say? Liberally. Oh, there's a woman back there that's read the book. But he says, I give liberally, but when you ask, you must ask in faith. How much wavering? None. So you know what happens? This is what we do. We come and say, Lord, I don't know how to do this little deal today. I need wisdom in the world system to know how to do what I'm doing. And you get up and start to walk out and somebody says, well... How do you think today's going to go today with this new project we got going? He said, I don't know. I just prayed, and I sure hope God shows up. If He does, we might have a good day. You hear any faith in that? No. But if you say, how do you think today's going to go? He said, well, I just prayed. I asked God for wisdom. He promised to give it to me. So praise God, we're going to have a great day, and everything's going to go perfect because the King made me a promise. Now, what do you think is going to happen today? You're going to have a good day. Because you believe and you ask in faith, and the king promises to anybody that lacks wisdom, let him ask me, and I will give to you. But when you ask, you must ask in faith, nothing wavering. And so if you ask in faith, he'll give it to you. Now, the spiritual wisdom, that's wisdom about the world system. The spiritual wisdom is the wisdom of the promises of God. That's the promises of God. This book is spirit and truth. And so when you take this book and you take, Lord, how many times have I seen people have a verse like Matthew eighteen nineteen underlined, highlighted? Again, I tell you, if two of you on earth agree about anything you ask me for, it shall be done for you by my Father in heaven. And something comes up, we have a trial or a test, or somebody gets sick, or one of your kids gets sick. Do they ever go to the Word and use not They ain't got no spiritual understanding. The understanding is not there of the spiritual things of God. If the spiritual understanding were there, that's why Paul is saying, Lord, I'm asking you to give these people spiritual wisdom. In other words, what is wisdom? It's, in other words, knowledge. First of all, is one thing. And a lot of people got a lot of knowledge. 
I've seen people with PhDs, I mean, went to school 10 years, but yet can't do nothing. They don't have, can't get out of the rain. You know, you have to come in and lead them out. But when it comes to book learning, they got it. But to do something simple, they don't have the wisdom to do it. You know what those people have missed? They've, they've got a great education. But in the process of getting that great education, if they learn this prayer, Father, in the name of Jesus, as I'm studying Your Word and learning, going to church or whatever, maybe you go to a Bible school and you get you study the Bible some. When you go and you study, you say, Father, in Jesus' name, will You please give me spiritual wisdom from Your Word? Spiritual wisdom. He said, sure, I'll be happy to. But I ain't going to do it until you ask. He don't just give things to you without asking. And then when you ask, you ask in faith, thanking Him and believing Him, it's done. And when you do, He shows up. I mean, He shows up. Now, wisdom is knowing what to do with the knowledge you have. A lot of people have knowledge. A lot of people have knowledge. But they have no wisdom. And so by having no wisdom, they take what they know, but they can't put it into practice. They can't do anything with it. I mean, that's just like I think about when I, after I got out of architectural drafting school, and I, I, I could build and draw and design a building, elevations, walls, everything. Design it structurally the whole nine yards. But I ain't never built a house. I didn't know how to build a house. I could draw it on paper. Then a guy like Keith would come along and take the drawing. He could build it. But one day, after I had done some drawings, I wanted to build me a simple little 24 by 32 foot workshop up there in just, I mean, in Louisville, out in Highland Village where I live. I done all the drawings, got it approved by the city because I did a school, you know, so they knew when they looked at my plans, I knew what I was talking about. So I done the drawings, got it all done, took it up in the city, approved it, and then I went out and got a contractor to give me a bid. And when he gave me the bid, I liked to have fainted. <laughs> Because I'd already done the numbers of what it's going to take. I had figured every nail, every board, every brick, every sack of mortar, I knew exactly what it was going to cost to build that building. And I knew it was going to cost me $1,800 in materials, including the concrete. I knew that's what it was going to cost to build that building. But whenever that first contractor gave me a bid of 5000 to build this, I said, 5000 Wow. And so I go back and I start asking God, God, Lord, I need spiritual and physical wisdom and understanding. I said, Lord, if I can draw this thing, surely I can build it. That makes sense, doesn't it? I didn't have much faith back in those days. But I asked the Lord to give me the physical wisdom to take my own drawings and to build my workshop. And I built that workshop and it cost me $1,800. That's what it cost me. You know, I had never laid a brick in my life. Never laid a brick. So, man, I built my corner deals. I was an engineer, of course, so I could figure a lot of stuff. I put all my corners, all my strings. I pulled a tight string on every row. You know, but I got them level. And I got them straight. That was my first brick job ever. It took me a whole lot longer than a normal guy. But, you know, <laughs> you know, but, you know that's the way it is when you do something the first time. You know, I mean... Uh, but but I, I had a beautiful job, and it turned out perfect. Look, this is nice as my house did, which was done by professionals. 
But where did I get that wisdom? I went to the king. And he gave it to me. And I built that little building from the ground up. I didn't hire not one hour of labor. I put the slab down, laid it, leveled it, finished it, built the walls up, electrical, everything. Because I've been to school. You know, I'm an engineer. I mean, I don't know. I study all this stuff. I can do it all on paper, so why can't I do it for real? Now, I know a lot of men that can draw it, but they can't do it. Don't you know those? Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know lots of them. Yeah. Yeah. And then when you do what you do, Keith, when you're coming, you wonder why that dummy done it like that on the drawings. When, <laughs> I know. I worked in the world where he worked, too. I know exactly. You know, you know it's amazing. We built a big plant up in Detroit, and the ice plant up there, when they built that, the, the guy designed the water system, the, the condensing water, to continuously circulate in that system 24-7. I told him, I said, sir, you can't do that. That's water. And I said, when those ice plants are outside, I said, the water, when those compressors shut off and they stop making ice, that water is going to freeze out there in that 20, 10, 20 degree weather. He said, no, it's moving. It won't freeze. I said, son, moving water freezes. That's how we make ice. We let it run down through the tubes and we put Freon in there and it freezes the running water. It makes ice. I said, sure, that water's going to freeze. He said, no, sir, I'm the engineer. I've designed this. It ain't going to freeze. I said, I want your telephone number. I want your telephone number. He said, why? I said, because the first night we get a cold spell and this thing freezes and locks down, I want to know how to get a hold of you because you're going to have to redesign it. It will freeze. Well, we are only open about three weeks. And it comes first real good hard freeze. And all the pipes froze. I called him and said, okay, get out here and fix it. I don't have any ice. And they came out and they brought their head engineers. And, of course, I don't know what they did to that boy. He was a new engineer. And that was his first job. But uh, he really caught some flack over the way he designed that system. And then I told him, I said, well, I tried to tell him and he wouldn't listen to me. And so, anyway, they redesigned the system at a great cost to them and fixed it where it would work. But that's one of those cases you look at this, you're the guy building it, and you think, why? Don't this guy have any sense? They had a lot of knowledge. But he didn't go to the king for wisdom. Because see, if he went to the king and said, Lord, I've been to school, I've studied, I know how to do this, but I need wisdom from you so when I build this thing, it'll work perfect for these people for years to come. And when you ask the king, what does he do? He will show you how to do these things. He'll show you. And that's how, that's how I had such a great, I guess, successful following as an engineer in the business world. I never built a building, never designed a piece of equipment. I never done anything that I didn't ask God for the wisdom and the knowledge and the understanding how to do it. Because I said, Lord, I don't know how to do nothing. I've been to school and I've learned what the world teaches me, but I have no wisdom outside of you. So I want your wisdom so when I build and design something, it will work Good and for a long time. And man, he let me build some fantastic pieces of equipment over my life. It's amazing what God will do when you ask him. And then when somebody says, wow, you're really something. Look at what you did. Yeah, you say, oh yeah, ain't I something. That's what the flesh wants to do, but that's not the way you do it. You know what you do? You say, well, I asked Jesus and he showed me how to do this. So this is not something I've done. I asked the king, and he showed me how to do this. Yes. 
I think what happens is when people ask Jesus for the guidance or the Father for the guidance and it comes down the pike that uh, you have to give up sin in order to receive whatever you're asking for. What what drew me here actually pushes 99.9% of people away. They're afraid of taking that responsibility of pushing that sin out and they run from this. So they won't gain that wisdom. Am I correct? Yes, sir. You're absolutely correct. In fact, that's what Ty, my associate pastor up here, tells me regularly. He says, Thurman, you won't never have a very big church. If you preach, everything makes them all feel good. And no matter what they're going to do, they're all going to get to heaven. He said, you can have a big church. But when you start preaching sin and the consequences, you've got to straighten your act up. He said, only the real believers are going to show up for you. <laughs> He's right, isn't he? Yeah. But when you do what Jesus really said, this what changes your life forever, doesn't it? Yes, it does. Praise the King. Well, that's what we're doing here. We're about the King's business. And we're trying to teach what He said. And I really don't care what the world says. I'm just interested in what the King says. And I want to teach it exactly like He says. Because I don't want to be cut off. You know, I, I, I mean, you, I mean, if you, I don't care what you do. When I pointed to Cheryl, I thought how good a singer she's been over the years. I thought, you know, if, Every time she got up there and sing somewhere, if somebody says, wow, you girls are great, and they go around and say, oh, yeah, we're something else. Aren't we something? You know, it wouldn't be long till they'd fall flat on their face. They wouldn't have no, no place to sing, nothing to do. God, He'll take it away from you. You know, all you've got to do, just like that story we talked about Smith Wigglesworth, I mean, he got so powerful and so many people wanted him, so many places in the world, he, was a, he had that little thought in his mind, that the people are looking to me as the healer, and they're glorifying me and not the Savior. And God ain't going to—he's not going to share His glory with nobody. So He took him out. He took him out. He died. Isn't that sad? He'd tell them, "Don't look at me. It's Jesus. He's a healer, but He's invisible. You can't see Him. You know, if a man lays hands on you and touches you, and you get healed." I've had many. I've had several people. In fact, the other night, I, I prayed for a guy, and he, and he got his arm healed, and I prayed for his sister and cancer a few years ago, and she got healed. And he ran into Cheryl the other night, and he said, well, you know, Thurman healed me. Cheryl said, Thurman didn't heal nobody. He said, the God he serves healed you, but it wasn't Thurman. Well, see, he associated with, I put my hands on him and in the name of Jesus, and he got healed. He said, I healed him. Cheryl straightened him right out. No, it was not Thurman. Thurman didn't heal you. Jesus did. And so that's what we've got to get. It's Jesus. Now then, he says here, I pray that you will begin to understand, when we're talking about this spiritual wisdom and understanding, so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. So that you might grow in your knowledge of God. So he's asking the Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, to give these people spiritual wisdom and understanding from the Word as they read it and study it. Because how many times in your life have you read words out of this book and you got up and walked off and you didn't know nothing about what you read? Any of you done that like me? We've all done that, haven't we? You say, Lord, i got to have something here. And you sit down and you read and you read a whole chapter or two chapters or three chapters and you say, Lord, I've done my duty today. I've read the Bible. You get up and walk out the door and somebody says, what have you been doing? 
I just got through reading the Bible. What chapter did you read? I believe it was in Romans. What chapters was it? I'm not sure. Have we ever done that? It was sure good. <laughs> the right answer there. Tim got the right answer there, praise It's sure good, Lord. It's sure good. I forgot what it was. But see, we didn't have somebody praying for us, saying, Lord, give Tim spiritual wisdom and knowledge and understanding when he sits down to read this book. And Lord, I take authority over the forces of darkness that's blinding his mind, so they won't be able to steal a word out of his mind or heart today. And Lord, you open his heart, and you give him the spiritual knowledge, and spiritual wisdom, and spiritual understanding, so his knowledge will grow and increase in the Word of God. And the king says, "Well, did you hear what my son prayed for him?" And so he sits down and says, "What?" He gets up there and he says, "Man, I can almost quote that chapter. Isn't that amazing?" And for years you've got it; it's burned in. I mean, you know, when you finally get it. But if you don't pray like this, see, this prayer is an example. Paul's telling us the way we need to pray for ourselves and for each other. We need to ask the Lord to give us these things because He's the same God today was then. And if Paul had to pray that prayer for the people before they could get it, what do you think we're going to have to do? This is a good prayer to pray for ourselves every day, isn't it? Man, you have no idea how many times I've asked God for this in my life. You, I couldn't even count the number of times I said, Lord... I need spiritual wisdom and understanding from your word. Just like that Paul, that prayer that Paul prayed in Ephesians chapter 1, I need spiritual wisdom. I need spiritual understanding. I need to know how to deal with every situation. Every situation. Wow. Can God handle any situation? Yes, He can. He sure can. Then He says, so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the wonderful future He has promised to those He called. I want you to realize what a rich and glorious inheritance He has given to His people. How many Christians do you know that have lived... Well, I'll tell you one the other day. I got a phone call from a man that's about 80 years old. He said, Sir... I had been in church all of my life. I had been a deacon. I'd been a Sunday school teacher. And somebody gave me one of your CDs and DVDs the other day, and I listened to that thing several times. And he said, I called and got some more of them things, and I've listened to them, and I've checked out everything you said. And he said, I am so grateful. I think he was 75 or 80. He said, I am so grateful that I finally learned the truth before I died. He said, to think that I missed all this my whole life. And he said, here it is written right in my book. He said, how did I miss this? I said, you missed it the same way I did. Just like I did. I said, nobody was praying for me right. You know, when you start praying this kind of prayer for people, what will God do? If you pray every day, Lord, give me spiritual wisdom and understanding today. You reckon He'll do that for you? You really think He would? Sure, He will. Now, what if you don't pray that prayer? What are you going to get? Absolutely right. Nothing. He'll let you go through the day, today, all day long. Just like He did me the other day with that book. Here, I'm in, I'm in agony trying to get that crazy heater going. And the Lord's sitting there saying, what are you going to ask me? 
And that's, I'm kind of like saying, that's okay, God, I got it. I'm a big boy, you know. I mean, I got a good education. I can figure this thing out by myself. He said, okay, let's see if you can. Now, I can't find the book. I mean, we're proudful. You know, we really are. You don't realize how much pride gets in us. You know, I mean, I'll give you all several examples of how I mess up in pride on a regular basis. And just like I told you the other day, when Cheryl and I came back, you know, I prayed. We were in low weather and everything else. And then when we get over the fence, I said, okay, God, thank you. I got it from here. <laughs> and then we land in the, in the wet weather. And when we land, the soon as we, I said, okay, God, thank you, Lord. Thank you for getting us here. Lord, I got it. I, I, can, I can handle it from here. And first thing we hit, and I hit the brake in the airplane, 70, 80, 90 miles an hour, goes sliding down the runway sideways. And all of a sudden, Cheryl hollers out, and I'm, I'm saying in my spirit, Lord, I ain't got it. I've got to have some help. <laughs> it's amazing how quick you can say those things, right? That's right. You know, so he straightened it right up for me. And we just go sit and roll out. And I just hear him now saying, oh, so you need me plumb till you stop, do you, son? I said, yes, and then I need you when I go home too, Lord. <laughs> Isn't it amazing how he can get our attention? And he can really get our attention. He really can. But can we do anything without him? No, not a thing. Not a, that's why we fail so miserably so often. It's because we try to do it on our own without this kind of prayer. Pray in the name of Jesus, Father. I need wisdom and knowledge and understanding from Your Word. I pray that you will begin to understand the incredible greatness of His power. Think about what he's just saying here. I pray that you will begin to understand the incredible greatness of his power for us who believe in him. Who's this power for? Us. That power is in us. So when you do something in faith, there's no limitations to what you can do when you do it in faith. I pray that you will begin to understand that incredible greatness of His power for us who believe Him. How many spiritual blessings belong to you? How much of God's power belongs to you? All. How much authority do we have over demons? What is this? <laughs> Now, wait a minute now. If we have all this power and all this knowledge and all, and all these things are ours, then why do we ever fret over anything? We forget, don't we? I mean, the enemy, I'll tell you what happens. When we get in any kind of a bind, the enemy, he comes along and he throws that black mantle over your head and crawls under there with you, Keith. He says, you know, you know. You, you. you ever had him throw that thing over your head? Sure, me too. I've had him throw that, and I've had him crawl in under there with me. Oh, yeah. And he sucked him thoughts about, oh, Thurman, you old worthless critter. You you know God ain't going to do something good for an old worthless critter like you. And I believe him far too often. I believe that devil far too often. But the greater you've had somebody pray for you like this, the greater your resistance will be against the enemy. And, you know, you will walk holy before God. It says, because we, he's praying now that we will have this knowledge of this incredible power that's alive in us. This is 
the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand. Can you have any greater power than that? Ain't nothing no more powerful than that. If God's power raised Jesus from the dead and seated him at the right hand of the Father in the third heaven, you and I, the best telescopes, we can't even see the third heaven. Trillions of light years out there, and we can't even see it. But it's out there. And it took Jesus out there. And every time one of us dies, it translates us into that place, just like that, that God's mighty power. One of us die on this earth, and we're His child. And we lay down this temple that we live in. And the spirit and soul, I believe, as we come out of there, we look down, we see that we feel free for the first time ever. And we look at this old body. You say, wow, look what I can do, Lord. Look at that old tired body down there. Wow, Lord, look at what we can do. And he says, come on home, my daughter, my son. And and you're standing in his presence in the third heaven by his great and incredible, awesome power. That power is alive and well, and it's where? In you. Wow. But most people are like I was most of my life. Didn't even have a clue that it was alive in me. But I had the power to walk in it, to pray the prayers of faith, and see God do great and mighty things. He did say, ask anything. This is a perfect place for the story about faith. The woman faith. Some of you may remember faith. Her and her four children used to come here. Those little children that sit on the front row and ask, they can suit little bitty guys from this big up to about this big. About four to ten. They sat on the edge of their seats listening to me teach this book. And then one day, the husband's out of town for the week. Mama homeschooled the children. So she homeschooled them. That afternoon, they needed to go somewhere. She went out and she hit the starter on the car and it was dead. One of the children said, Mama, I'll pray and God will start the car. So the little child prayed. Thank the Lord. and said, No, Mama, I guarantee it'll start. <laughs> you hear any faith in that little child? You reckon the king was there in the car with him? Yes. And you reckon he started that car? Yes, he did. He started that car and they went and did everything they wanted to do and come back home. Next day, they were going to go somewhere after school and they went out. Same thing. Car was dead. Wouldn't do a thing. I was like, Mama, my time to pray. My time to pray. Prayed. Guaranteed it. Mama made the starter. The car started. Next day, same story. Another one says, Mama, my time to pray now. And so he prayed. The little boy prayed. I believe it was a little boy. He prayed. And he said, Now, Mama, I guarantee you the car will start. Mama reached up and click, click. He said, Okay. Who is it in this car has got unconfessed sin in your life? <laughs> He heard me say, God don't hear the prayer of a sinner. Well, one of the little girls, she said, well, I got mad at my little brother last night, so I, 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 I kind of held a grudge against him, so I guess I kind of need to repent. So she repented. And after all the kids began to repent, Mama said, and Daddy called last night and said he wasn't going to be home for another day, and I was a little upset with him too, so I guess I need to repent. So she repented. Everybody repented. Now he said, now I'm going to pray. Is, is it, are we sure? 
There's no more unconfessed sin in this car. So see, he'd read that scripture. God don't hear the prayer of a sinner. So everybody said, we're okay. So he prayed the prayer of faith, and he said, now, Mama, I guarantee the car will start. And it did. It did. Is that an awesome story? She'd give that testimony herself. Did you hear her tell that? Is anybody here that heard that? It was an awesome testimony that Faith had that day. It was just absolutely... About, oh, about not hearing the prayer of a sinner? John 9.31, or John 9.30, yeah, 9.31, and Psalm 66.18. Psalm 66.18 and John 9.31 is the two places for the Word of God. And it may say at other places, those are my two favorites. And so, I, I use those two. That's enough. Two witnesses is enough. You know, if the Lord says He won't hear the prayer of a sinner, if you hide iniquity in your heart, I won't hear your prayer. Well, that's what He means, Right? But I know one of them, Psalm 66, 18, and the other one, John 9, 31. Then he says, now, he is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything, anything else in this world or in the world to come. Now, who's bigger than everything? Jesus. Jesus is in control. And... God has put all things under the authority of Christ. Now, how much is under His authority? If all things is under His authority, I want you to think about what I'm going to say. And most of the church really don't like what I'm going to say right here. But I'm going to tell you, this is what I believe with all my heart. You don't have to worry about the devil. There ain't one person you've got to make happy. And that's Jesus. You make Jesus happy, He's in control of the devil. He runs the devil. The devil works for Jesus. The Jesus we serve totally defeated him 2,000 years ago according to the Word of God. Totally, totally defeated Satan and triumphed over him. Satan's now subject to Jesus. Satan cannot bat an eyelash except Jesus tells him. He cannot come and make you sick unless God sends him. That's an eye-opener, isn't it? So how many, you don't have to worry about rebuking the devil. You know, I used to wonder, in fact, I heard of one of the great evangelists, a lady, great woman of God. Everybody loves this woman. She is a great woman of God. And I was listening to one of her teachings one day. She said, you know, when I first got started in the ministry, we got into the deliverance ministry. And she said, we would spend all night rebuking demons and getting people, people would throw up, they'd spit at us, they'd cuss us, they'd do everything in the world. All night long, we'd try working until sometimes we never got them free. And I thought, this woman has never learned what I've learned. I've learned that if the devil is there because he's sent by God, you can't get him out. But if you get that person to repent of their sins, you get that devil out and he's gone in a heartbeat and it's over. The deliverance don't take nothing. It's a minor thing. It's so simple. That's all you got to do. All you got to do is kick the devil out. I mean, kick him out. You got to get people to submit themselves to God first. Is that what James 4 7 says? Submit yourself to the Lord first and then resist the devil and he'll do what? He'll flee from you. And boy, it works every time. But you, you know what we do? We try our best. We try our best to rebuke the devil, and, and we want to stay in sin. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. It appears that 
people seem to forget that, okay, you repent your sins and, and the devil flees, but if you start sinning again, don't you open the door and come, come right back? I guarantee. Only you don't just let him come back. The Lord says if you cast the devil out and then you don't start filling your house with the Word of God, when the devil comes back, he brings seven of his buddies more wicked than he was. So the Lord says and the second state of that man is worse than the first. So you don't want to go there. You know, I mean, it, it's, I mean, I've seen Ty and Cheryl uh, deliver people go through a deliverance from the top of the Ten Commandments to the bottom, and of course, sometimes it takes an hour or two or three. But when they get those people to repent of their sins as they go through complete deliverance, I've seen people come out from under a deliverance and totally set free of demons. Totally. I mean, their total life changed right there. But just like you said, if they go out next week and go right back to sinning. I mean, you know, good grief. You know, I used to watch Christian... Te- I mean, I used to watch secular television, and soap operas was my favorite, you might say. Well, I mean, I like those soap operas, you say. But, I mean, I've been in a few homes where a few of those are playing. I ain't never seen nothing on a soap opera that glorified God. So, I don't even want to be around that kind of stuff. So, you know, if you got sick watching soap operas and you get delivered, if you go back to watch them, you're going to get sick again. Only next time, it's probably going to be worse. You don't want to go there. Now then, and we're nearly through with this. I said, and God has put all things under the authority of Christ, and He gave Him the authority for the benefit of the church, and the church is His body. It is filled by Christ, who fills everything, everywhere, with His presence. So again, what's this all about? Jesus. But isn't it wonderful that we can be, get to be a part of His body? I can be one little tiny cell in the body of Christ. And you get to be one little tiny cell in the body of Christ. And He gives you and me gifts, and together we make a joint body. And man, that joint body with all the different different things that He gives every one of us, if we would just work together and pray one for another for each other and say, hey, we're all one and we need each other to get something done. I can't do nothing on my own. You know, it makes life so much easier when you have... I hate, I tell you what, I can remember the day when I first started in this little tiny ministry that whenever I'd done the studying, I'd done the teaching, I'd done the tape making, I'd put the labels on, I printed them, I made the VCR tape, I was working, and it finally got to where, man, I mean, I am, I can remember on Saturday, getting up Saturday morning, and for eight hours, on my tape recorders, all I did was make tapes and put labels on them all day long. Then I'd bring them somewhere, and they all go away in one day. <laughs> all that day. I mean, one service. They're all gone. Because, see, I give them away. You know, and I think, boy, back to the drawing board next week. You know, and so, then as it, as it increased, I thought, man, i got to have some more machines. You know, i got to have another tape. I can't do this with one no more. I got to have another one, then I get two, and then I got three, and then I got four. You know, and then one day I think, hey, I got to have some more help. So people start coming out and helping me and everything else. And that's back, you know, when we had the, the, the build, our little tin shed out there, you know, when it was dirty and we didn't have the walls in it and nothing. We had machines sitting all around dust. Some of y'all remember those days. Thank goodness it's changed a little bit. Now then I got this wonderful crew that comes in, that loves God. Volunteers come in to help us. We've got a regular crew. They come in. They make. They know what they're doing. They know where everything's at. 
They make the CDs, they make the DVDs, they make the tapes, they put the labels on them, they mail everything. I mean, we got, we're organized out there. And I get to go, but for once in a while, I get to go out at night for a couple hours and fly. And I used to have time to do that. But now God is giving me, because I've been diligent to serve Him and do what He said, He's giving me the desires of my heart in a little bit later. You know, I mean, I used to didn't have time to do this. I never dreamed I'd ever get back into flying. Never dreamed I'd be able to run out and jump in a little airplane and fly around for two hours at night, you know, just to look at the lights and, and praise and worship God. But now I can. It's wonderful. Isn't it wonderful to serve Jesus? Don't you love it, Tom? You love it too, just like I do. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank You for the book of Ephesians. We thank You for the Word of God, Lord. The whole thing. I thank You for Your benefit package. And I ask You, Lord, to lock these Scriptures into our heart and mind as we sit and talk about them and beat those things into our spirits. May our spirits receive this spiritual knowledge and understanding from Your Word. May we get a hold of it. May we retain it. And, devil, I rebuke you and command you not to steal a word of it out of our heart, because I know you're there trying to, but we're not going to let you do it. We're going to keep these mighty promises in our hearts so we will not sin against our King, so we'll be able to walk in this power that He's given us, that He paid for, so we can bring glory and honor to Your name. Because when we do things that are in Your name, and we do them in faith, You show up and You are glorified, and You alone are worthy, and we give You the praise and glory, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.